So let's be honest with ourselves that sometimes it's hard to change our minds, right? Would you agree with that? Do you get stubborn sometimes? I'll, I'll confess to you. I love this story. It cracks me up that uh, there's a story of a man who uh, was a, a little confused and he was convinced that he was dead. Um, so his wife who loved him was very concerned for him and she made an appointment with a psychiatrist, a famous psychiatrist in the area, spent lots of money to set up the time to interact with this psychiatrist. And this man, when he met together, he just kept emphasizing the fact that he just really believed that he is dead. Some of you are like, that's weird. It is. And so the psychiatrist decided that he was going to philosophically help this man to understand the fact that he's not dead by using logic. So what he was going to do is he was going to convince him that that dead people don't bleed. All right, sounds simple enough. And so he um, got out scientific journals. Um, he uh, um, allowed this man together. They watched uh, movies of autopsy. Oh, they, they went through this whole process. And finally, there was this moment when the man realized, uh, at least he agreed in verbally, that, that dead people don't bleed. And at the moment that he said that, the doctor, now this happened in the 80s, so you could get away with this. The doctor had a needle in his hand and he stuck it in the arm of the guy, pulled out a little bit of blood and, and the man was shocked, of course, and he looked down and he said, oh my goodness, I guess dead people do bleed. <laughs> so, I love that story. It's pretty good, isn't it? You know, it's hard for us to change our minds, isn't it? It's hard for us to allow things to impact what we believe as established and rooted truths. Today, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1. The brother of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to share with us a very simple truth that I hope challenges you. A simple truth that has had a significant impact in my own life. And part of this truth is that we want to be people, and I want you to catch this. Can you stick with me for a second on this? We want to be a people who are not just hearers of truth that are not just exposed to the truth of God's word, or that we don't just have access to the truth of God's word, but that we allow it to become a part of our lives, that it changes us, that, that we allow God's word to do what we believe it can do, and that is to move our hearts from darkness into light, to allow us to change our behavior. Now, I say it's hard to change our behavior. We, we cracked up. We were on our way home from Cedar Point on Friday night, Allie and I and, and my daughter Capri, and we're, we're driving home. Home, and a car passed me and he was kind of swerving as he was driving and, um, and you could see like he had a massive cell phone and he was definitely texting and driving. None of you have ever done this before, right? None of you ever even thought about it. That's a bad, bad idea, right? So he's texting and driving and as he's doing this, he's passing me and he's kind of swerving and then, um, and then he gets past us and on the back of his car, he's got this giant sticker that says, stay alive, don't text and drive, you know? And Allie and I just erupted in laughter. We just thought, I mean, it's hilarious, right? That, that we, we declare things, we, we state things, especially as Christ followers, things we value, things that are precious to us, things that are important, things that we consider as authoritative in our lives, but ultimately, a temptation for us is for it to never permeate our hearts, to, to never make it into kind of, kind of like Teflon on my pans that keeps things from sticking, that, that these truths that we hear, that it's possible that we can be what God calls hard-hearted when it comes to his truth. 
And this morning, we're going to continue in our Discover series. What does it mean for us to understand the truth of God's word for ourselves? And as we go through this process, one of the things that we're going to seek is what does it mean for us to apply God's truth to our lives and to allow it to impact our lives going forward? One of the most tragic stories in the New Testament is the story of the man that we know as Judas, the man who betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I've been praying about this and just wrestling with this truth and even reflecting in my own life, being exposed to great teaching and godly people and, and like I've, I've said, access to God's word in a way that probably no other generation in the history of the world has had access to this truth. And, and the, the thought that, that keeps going through my mind is this Judas would have been a man who was able to see the Lord Jesus Christ in, in incredible moments in history, healing people, providing for people, allowing these teachings that were so profound. He would have been one of those individuals that, that was a part of the feeding of the 5,000 with its 12 baskets left over. And don't, don't forget, he ate that meal, right? He sat at the Sermon on the Mount and listened to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and he heard all this profound truth. He was exposed to it, but did he ever listen to it? There's this moment that happens in the book of Matthew where the Lord Jesus is being betrayed, where he's about to go to the cross. And in that passage in the book of Matthew, it says that Judas comes up to the Lord Jesus Christ and he says to him, Rabbi, and that, that moment just pierces my heart. You know what rabbi means in, in, um, in, in Hebrew is it means teacher, right? And you just think Judas is going to end with a lie. And the reason why he's going to end with a lie is he's going to say, you're my teacher, but, but I didn't listen to what you had to say, right? His heart was hardened. He was a person who had been exposed to truth, but he was a person that chose not to allow that truth to cross into the pathways of his day-to-day -day life. And we know that ultimately the deceiver loves to steal, to kill, and to devour, that it ultimately led to the destruction of his own life. This morning, if you catch what I have to say to you, you will understand this simple truth. You and I need to not just be hearers of God's word, but we must become doers of God's word. The, the points that are going to flow out of scripture are going to flow out of truths that are very simple. Applying God's word. The first point this morning is essential. Applying God's word is not optional. It's not something we get to pick and choose what we want to accept or not accept. And I, I love this word. I had you turn to James chapter 1, I want you to see this familiar passage of scripture written by the Lord Jesus' brother. He says this, but be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That last little section there is meaningful to me. I think we can find ourselves being exposed to truth. We can find ourselves surrounded by people, even in very spiritual things like chiseling out time out of our day to log on to a church service or to attend a church service in person. And we, we do these spiritual things. I just want to remind you what, what he's not challenging us to do is to just show up. That's actually not the challenge. I, I love uh, the pastor who was a pastor's kid himself that he said that he grew up with a serious drug problem and that was he was always drugged to church. <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, some of you have lived that life where you've been in church. You could be in church every day of the week. You could experience spiritual exposure. 
But, but if you don't allow it to permeate your hearts and your life, if it doesn't impact your life, then, then all of the exercise we've been talking about in this Discover series of good observation, great interpretation, if we don't apply the truth, it's literally a waste of our time. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I think that it's essential for us to understand that just hearing God's word um, is something that would have been common back then if you were a part of the church. You, it, when we read this, we have to understand that he's not just talking about people who are listening to the truth of God's word. Many people at that time would have been uh, unable to read. They would have depended on these public readings of scripture. And so this description is just saying, when you expose yourself to the truth of God's word, that, that it's not just enough to listen to it. That, that this, this process of good interpretation needs to shift until the point of not just hearing it, but to really, truly applying it in our lives. There's danger in us not applying God's word accurately. We've said that from the beginning. We've said Satan knows God's word very well, doesn't he? Uh, we've said that he knows how to twist and turn the truth of God's word. So when it comes to getting this right, we have to begin with good observation. What's in the text? We have to, to continue through the process of asking ourselves, what does it mean? And then finally, it's this great question. This is the question about application. So what? <laughs> is it just because we want to do a religious thing that we show back up to church each week? Or, or is this changing our lives? Does it have an impact on the way that we live Monday through Saturday? It, it is designed to. That's what God designs for it to. We, we need to be people who... Apply God's word accurately. People, people cheat when they study God's word. I love the story of Ray Steadman. Uh, he tells the story of two lawyers who were in a heavily contested trial. One thought he'd make a good impression on the jury by quoting from the Bible. So he said concerning his opponent's client, we have it on the highest authority that it has been said in the Bible that a man has will he gave he give for his skin. All that a man has will he give for his skin. But the other lawyer had actually read God's word. And he said, I'm very much impressed by the fact that my distinguished colleague here regards as the highest authority, the one who said, all that man has, he will give for his skin. You'll find that he is saying comes from the book of Job and the one who utters it is the devil. And it is that is whom he regards as his highest authority. I wonder who um, persuaded the jury that day, right? You know, this idea of us reading the Bible, I love how Howard Hendricks puts it. He says, the purpose in reading and studying the Bible is not to have us get through the Bible, but it is to have the Bible get through us. You understand why that statement is so profound? I think for some of us, we take great pride in the amount of scripture we consume. But the scary part is if we don't apply it, it can lead us to being spiritually obese, right? That it can lead us to a point where we've been exposed by truth that has not been applied into our lives in such a way that it actually moves us to meaningful action. I can remember vividly um, doing a jail ministry in Xenia, Ohio. And there was a man that was there that I started to interact with who, when I first came in and I brought my Bible in, one of the things that he said is, he's like, oh, I've already read that. Okay, that's good. He's like, I, I've read through the Bible cover to cover. 
Um, and he was quite proud of that fact. And then as we talked and we, we talked about his rap sheet and all the things that he'd done and how he'd ended up back in jail again and again and what, what he was accused of and what was coming, the trial that was ahead and just realized that, that he had been exposed to the truth, but it never made it into his life. And so one of the things that we committed to doing, and it was actually really powerful, is that, and this is something I want to challenge each one of you to consider doing even this morning, when you think about God's word, is that we committed to reading it again for the first time. <laughs> we, we committed to looking at this and saying, Lord, what do you want to teach me about myself? What do you want to expose in my life? What are the areas that have become comfortable and familiar? And so this idea, read it again for the first time, that can be a profound truth for those of us who've been exposed to truths. They, they warned us about this in seminary. They, they actually scared us to death about this, that when you're exposed to truth, and same in college, when the Bible becomes a textbook, it's possible that you equate it to other textbooks in your life that, let's be honest, we don't always pay that close attention to, right? And the idea that I think God, God's word's challenging us to do in the book of James is to say, it's not just hearing it. That's not enough. That doesn't mean that we've honored the truth of God's word. In fact, there's some really nasty side effects that can come when you expose yourself to the truth of God's word and you don't apply it. In fact, that ought to scare us. And, and what it can do, I love this, this image of a peacock, that, that it can actually just puff us up. That we can find ourselves confident in the fact that we know more than other people. Uh, Jesus said this about the, the Pharisees, that they were people who were willing to put burdens on other people's backs that they themselves weren't willing to bear. That, that you're just puffed. Have you ever seen a peacock do this before? Uh, when we lived in Southern California, there were wild peacocks. And when a peacock wants to get a date, they really, you know, put out the, they, they really, you know, shine. But this, this underlying statement that's here from God's word is knowledge can puff up. And, and then I, I love in these statements, but love builds up. That there's, there's something more than just being exposed to knowledge. Is knowledge wrong? Of course not. I, I think it's funny. We know these, uh, we, we know what turkeys are like in Ohio. Do you guys still laugh when you see a turkey? I laugh when I see turkeys in Ohio. Uh, but you know, what's interesting about a peacock when its, um, when its feathers are down is it looks just like an old turkey, you know? And, and this phrase, the Lord Jesus was really blunt when he said to us about spiritual things, he even talks about how we pray publicly, what we say, how we, how we interact with one another. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So it's so simple, right? But, but yet what he's saying is, you know who I am. You know what I've done for you. You know that I care for you. You know that I died for you. But why is it that you choose to ignore it. I, I think for some of us, you guys know like the child development stage that you go through that's called um, object permanence. Do you guys know what that is? Do you guys remember that? Some of you are like, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, it's why peekaboo is so much fun with a certain age of child because they believe when you cover your face that you're not in the room anymore, right? And, and I think that that's kind of what happens for us is that is that we're looking at God's word and it's not applied. And so we, we just find ourselves seeing something that's there and then it's gone. It doesn't matter. What's the purpose? It doesn't impact our lives at all. And I think that that concept is a dangerous temptation. So the, the Lord is very clear. Hey, why are you calling me Lord, but not acting like it? 
Why, why are you calling me Lord and not choosing to obey me? Why are you calling me Lord and just choosing to, to just ignore the things that I've said? So when I say Teflon, you guys know what I mean, right? That it doesn't stick to us. And I think one of the beautiful things about God's word is that he wants it to be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. He wants it to be the sword that pierces in our lives that allows us to have victory over the battles that, that face us every day. And the Lord, I, I think, challenges you and I, especially in this generation, with the amount of access that you and I have in our lives. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, the Lord says this, everyone to whom much was given... To him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. That haunts me, be honest with you. That, that challenges me. That makes me say, Lord, I don't want to just be a person who's exposed to your truth, but I want to allow it to permeate my heart, to change me, to impact my life. If you have your Bibles, you can keep your finger in James and, and flip over to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, an existential book written by Solomon in his profound wisdom, and he's going to describe himself as a preacher. And I, I so resonate with these words that he writes when he talks about a love for God's word, but also it's going to boil down to actually doing what God's word has to say. He says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. This may be an unfamiliar passage for some of us, but he says this, besides being wise, the preacher, which he's referring to himself, also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. We talked about one of those last week. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote the words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. Do you remember? Those are, those are things that spur us on to action. They're like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They're given by one shepherd. In verse 12, he says, My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books. There is no end of much study. There is weariness of the flesh. Those of us who've gone through school, we say Amen. Verse 13, and the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, that sounds harsh, but really what he's saying is, is God's paying attention. He's, he's paying attention to what you and I have been exposed to that we've heard a better way, a, a better way to live, a better way to approach the challenges of life. The, the words are not just intended to persuade or to entertain. Let me say this another way. Your job in life is not to just survive a 30-minute sermon each Sunday morning, but it's, it's something different than that. It's that God wants to pierce our hearts with his truth and I hope and pray that what I model in my own life is somebody who allows God's truth to be poured through the personality and experiences of my life. So that's what we want to be. I love that description of the preacher that understands with knowledge truth, but also says, hey, let's live it out. Can, can we agree to do it together? Can we agree to say this is what it means for us to do church together and life together is to serve together. So, so back to that phrase, we don't want to just be, be hearers I always bring up the movie theater experience, right? When you go into the movie theater, you don't want to interact with other people, do you? Uh, when we lived in the Bahamas, we thought it was, it was kind of fun. When you'd go to a movie, it was an interactive experience. I'll just tell you, people talk to the screen. It's a lot of fun. They're like, don't go in there, whatever, you know, and it's just, 
Um, it was a lot of fun. But, uh, uh, you know, that's not, that's not the way church was designed to be. We're not supposed to just be observers, but instead that God has designed for us to be doers together. Second point this morning is that applying God's word to our daily lives is unfortunately the most neglected step of Bible study. Hey, hey we, we talk about observation. We can make, hey, who's gotten out their, their colored pencils and their highlighters and all right, I'm finding this great truth. This is awesome. And, and then we, we interpret, all right, what do they mean? What's that, what's that really mean for me? Oh, that's profound. That was neat. And then the application part, it's like, oh, that hurts. You know, that, that's gonna touch parts of my life that, may impact the way I choose to live today and tomorrow, that it comes at a cost. And so applying God's word to our daily lives, I do believe is the most neglected step of Bible study. Let me, let me share why. I'll give you a few guesses as to why. The first one, and, and I keep saying this because I just believe it, is that it's so much easier to apply scripture to other people than to ourselves, isn't it? It's, it's so much easier to, to read a verse and say, oh, man, I... I sure think he needs to hear this. My neighbor needs to hear this truth. My, my friend, my daughter, my husband, my spouse, like they need to, they need to hear this truth. But, but that's not really what God has challenged us to do. In fact, he warns us um, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. This is a wonderful passage of scripture. This is the splinter log passage. And it keeps showing up in this series because, because we need to hear it. It says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured with to you. Let me just stick there for just a quick second. I think this is what we're really good at. God's standard is really clear. It's really high. And in some places, it feels unattainable. So what we naturally like to do is to adjust the standard. We, we move the goalpost. We, we change the rules to fit what we are shaped like. And what he says here is, hey, that there's an understanding that that's our natural tendency. But he says this, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? Hey, that's human nature, Right? That's the way we naturally are, that it's so much easier to see those things. But the log is there, and it's, it's kind of a brutal image, isn't it? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? The description is both clear and profound. It's easier for me to apply truth to other people than it is to apply it in my own life. The second reason that I believe it's easy for us to not be doers of God's word is actually our emotions. That we, we get our bell rung sometimes when it comes to something. That's profound. That moved me. That's challenging. Boy, that's tough. That's a hard truth. That's spiritual meat. These are all terms that we use. But, but the statement there is then, what are we going to do about it? It's not just be emotionally moved, but what God's asking of us is to allow it to move us to obedience the, the third reason, um, uh, any of you ever work for any of your parents that they were your boss? A few of you? Uh, my dad was my boss. We used to flip houses and do construction when I was growing up. And I've always thought that this, this third reason is very common for many of us. And that is um, good intentions. I, I, I remember working for my dad. I had a lot of good intentions. And there were times when I followed through with those. And there were other times when I didn't. I listened to the words of Matthew chapter 21 verses 28 through 31. I just want you to hear what Jesus says about good intentions. He says, what do you think? A man had two sons and he went to the first and he said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. 
And he answered, I will not. Which just sounds harsh, right? To say that to your dad, I'm not gonna do it. But afterwards, he changed his mind and he went and he worked for his father. Verse 30, and he went to the other son, the, the father, and he said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But then he, he so in other words, like, I'm in, I'll do it, let's go. And then he doesn't go. And then the question that is kind of obvious in verse 31 is, which of the two did the will of the father? And of course, everybody says it's the one who was not all talk. It wasn't the one that put the sticker on the back of the car. It wasn't the one that made the public declaration that said he was going to do it. But it's actually the one who actually does it. So, so what's God telling us when it comes to this essential step of Bible study? Like, you can be exposed to truth. You can be aware of truth. You can interpret it really well. But the scary part is that there's some of you that are going to be naturally prone to put burdens on other people's backs that you're not willing to bear. That you're going to be prone to not allow that truth to permeate your heart. I think a fourth reason is that sometimes it's easier to apply scripture to certain aspects of our lives, but not all of our lives. There's, there's principles in scripture. It talks about our finances, talks about our um, our, our, the way we interact with other people, our friendships, our relationships. And some of those, they're easy to imply. Some of those, they're just simple. For others of them, they're very difficult. I love the way Tony Evans put it. We used to attend his church when we lived in Dallas, Allie and I did, uh, for a time period. And he used to say that there are truths, there are not Sunday morning truths and Saturday evening truths, but there's just God's truth. And what his point was, like for some of us, we, we think about how spiritual we feel on Sunday mornings, but that truth that God teaches us needs to impact our Saturday lives. You understand? I love that. I love that statement. The fifth reason why I feel like we can be Teflon when it comes to ignoring applying scripture is that, um, that we are really talented. I will speak of myself in this area of self-rationalizing. I can figure out a reason why. I can explain why. Have any of you been pulled over by a police officer before? Uh, do you have any idea why I'm pulling you over? Um, well, I can think of about 10 reasons or 20 reasons or 15 or, you know, you, you start to think about it and you, you have your justification. I can't even imagine some stories, the stories that I've heard of some who've heard excuses about trips to the hospital or things that we, we can justify doing things that we know are probably not the right thing to do. I'm sure the guy who put the sticker on the back of his car, I felt sound like I'm picking on him, don't I? But I'm sure the guy who put the sticker on the back of his car had a really important reason why he wanted to text that day, right? We, we're good at rationalizing how we spend our money, how we pay our taxes, how we spend our time, who we interact with, how we carry ourselves. There's, there's just a recognition that that's natural for us. And I fear that at times it can allow us to neglect the beautiful reality of letting God be the thing that makes us whole. The good news is that the third point this morning is that you can get better at this. And, and I think that it's important for us to just be honest with ourselves. And I'm so very glad about the fact that we can get better at this. I, I love this teaching that um, seems to be crystal clear about the way that James describes what it means for us to be people who allow ourselves to learn and to study and to have God's word impact our lives. He says this in verse 23, after verse 22 that we looked at earlier. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks at the perfect law, the law of liberty, what a great statement, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That's the whole sermon right there. You get this, you do this, it's going to change your life. I, I, I heard, I read an article that George Clooney cuts his own hair. Have you guys heard this before? Um, some of you are like, I don't care about how George Clooney cuts his hair. Oh, it's okay if you don't care. But uh, I was a, there was a funny article that said that he used that thing that they advertised in the 80s like a vacuum that you like, and I don't think it's true. I don't really believe it. But can you imagine for a second that um, you, um, I, I offered you a free haircut this morning, um, but it's a self-serve haircut. So, I mean, I've got a great pair of clippers and uh, brought you up on stage. And I, um, I offered for you to just take out a mirror and gaze at yourself and give yourself, you guys are nervous about this, right? So, but then what if I said to you, oh, the only catch is we're going to get rid of the mirror, right? Uh, you're you're going to bleed probably in that process, right? Uh, this description, when he talks about this in the book of James, I think part of what he's saying to us is that, is that even when you just care for yourself, that you're, you have to, to stand and you have to gaze and you have to spend time and you're, it's, it's, a, it's, it's directly moment by moment reality, and for some of us, when it comes to the perfect mirror, the authority of the truth of God's word is that this isn't just a, yeah, I read it five years ago. I've gone through it. I successfully read it from cover to cover, but instead it's this daily moment by moment reminder of his authority and allowing ourselves to just go, oh man, I need to hear that today. Have you experienced that in your life? If you don't, I just want to encourage you. One of, one of my application points this morning is just going to be, just do it, just just try it. Just spend time in God's word and say, Lord, whatever you teach me today, I want to be a person who lives that out in my life today. If you choose to do that, I think what you're going to start to see is that you can get better at applying the truth of God's word in your life. It's not rocket science. It's just obedience. And I think that's what James is saying. One of the, one of the other ideas that shows up in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2. I find this to be quite fascinating. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but, to, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. The word I want you to focus in on here is tampering. You know, we're, we're about to have another Olympics. I think that's the plan, right? In, J in Japan, that there's going to be the 2020 Olympics that's going to happen in 2021. Go figure, right? And, and one of the words that you're going to hear if the Olympics happen is the word tampering, right? You're going to hear them talk about doping and, and cheating and things that people do to tamper with what's happening. And I, I think that what's fascinating here is he's saying people can twist the word of God. But, but to avoid twisting the word of God or to avoid tampering with the word of God, what we do is we choose to be people who honor it, who, who understand it. Let me give you a few ways that um, application points this morning that can help us to avoid tampering with the truth of God's word. I think this is helpful. The first one is to truly know the text, to saturate yourself with it, to allow it to marinate in your life, to meditate on it. That's the biblical term in Psalm 1. Med on his law, he meditates day and night. He, he considers it. He memorizes it. He chooses 
to make it a part of his life, the, the wise person. The second way to avoid tampering with scripture, and this, one, this one's really significant to me, is to know yourself, to know your biases. I think the way Timothy, or Paul puts it to Timothy, he says, watch your life and your doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I, I understand that in my own life, even when it comes to the truth of God's word, that I can have selective listening. Um, and, and what I mean by that, so, so when my kids were little and when we lived in Southern California, we had this great backyard and it was fenced in so they could just run and play. And if Allie and I went to, to the backyard, took out a megaphone and we said, all right, girls, it's time for you to do your chores. Um, they would just sit there and completely ignore us. But if we were in the house, in the kitchen, and somebody mentioned the word ice cream, the girls would be there in a second, right? Because they have selective listening, selective hearing, right? I I'm afraid that that's partially what happens to us when it comes to the truth of God's word. Something hits a bias. It convicts me. It challenges me. And I continue to keep turning the page because I don't want to expose myself to that. So know yourself, know your biases, allow God's truth to permeate those areas. A third thing is that question that we've been talking about a lot. So what? Why does this matter? What, what does it mean for me to apply this necessary application in my life? Who cares? And, and the way that, that I answer that question in my life is to rate, relate this to my experience. One of the ways that God's word changes our lives is that it changes how we relate with one another. It's how we, how we relate to God, to God, how we relate to ourselves even in understanding our own identity. And I think it's important for us to accept that that's one of the things that God wants us to do when it comes to, to applying the truth in our lives, that even how we relate to the enemy, the one that wants to steal, to kill, and to devour, that God's come that we might have life and that we have it to the fullest. And so we don't find ourselves stuck in understanding things from the perspective of the world. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it, the Apostle Paul says this, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We, we look at every relationship that we have through the lens of the gospel. And you know what that does? This is great. You know what that does is that it changes our relationships from just people we sit by in the movie theater of life. But it moves us to, what, how does God describe the way that we relate to one another? As brother and sister. That we can experience the privilege of being friends that stick closer than even a brother. That that's what God has allowed us to do. So we relate it to our life experience, how it impacts our relationships. And, and finally, a way to avoid tampering, a way to apply the truth of God's word is that we just do it. We take it at a face value. We say, Lord, I'm going to try this. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do this. And I can't help but think of that moment when, when Peter jumps out of the boat and he walks on water, that there was that moment where he didn't understand what God was asking of him or the consequences of it or the reality. God's word's chuck full of people doing this. But it just is a, it's time to do it. It's time to obey. It's time to trust me. So when we face an incredible diagnosis that's scary, when we recognize that loved ones of ours are running away from us or running away from the Lord, when we come to the end of our, our finances and we don't know what tomorrow's gonna look like, when we're discouraged, when we're brokenhearted, that, 
that we can have within the reality of our lives the promise and the privilege of still experiencing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Praise the Lord that, that that's what it means for the person who understands what it means to walk in the Spirit, to live in the reality of the truth of God's Word, to allow it to permeate their hearts. That is so different, isn't it, than just being exposed to it. It's so different than just being aware of it. It's so different than just having someone teach us. But instead, unlike Judas, where the Lord was in his mind a teacher, that he heard, but he had never listened, that, that you and I can be people that hear and listen and it can change everything. Let's do it together, right? Let's understand what that means for our lives today. Let's not just have Sunday morning truths that we apply in the morning, but then forget for the rest of the week. But let's allow the truth of God's word to saturate every area of our lives. Um, next week, we're going to continue on in the Discover series. We're going to be specific about ways that we can apply God's truth in a meaningful way in our lives. I'm going to share some examples of that. And then two weeks from now, there's a question that has come up multiple times that I want to apply this truth. When I think about the essential application, one of the greatest questions that we ask is how is it that we can know that, that we're saved? How is it that we can know that, that God has forgiven us and that we have a promise of eternity within his presence? We're going to apply the truth of God's word to our lives, and I, I think you're going to be deeply encouraged in that message. And as we go through this, this study, one of the things that I just want to remind you is that there's a big difference between hearing and seeing and listening. And there's a big difference from being exposed to truth to allowing it to permeate every area of our lives. God wants us to be people who are not just hearers of the word. Not just people who are willing to put that bumper sticker on the back of our car, wear that t-shirt, make that public statement. But instead, he wants us to be people that are doers of his word. Would you pray with me as we turn our hearts towards worship as a response to the Lord today? Father God, we love you and we thank you for your word. I just thank you that Hope Church is built on the reality of people uh, like those who are here in this room, those who are serving our children, those who are serving upstairs in the tech, tech area, worship team that's uh, preparing to lead us in worship. Lord, that it's built on the backs of people who've chosen not just to be hearers, but to be doers of your word. I thank you for that privilege that we get to engage in community in such a way that we're not just innocent observers on the outside or distant observers, but instead, Lord, that we have the privilege of engaging actively in your word in our lives. Thank you for this truth. We, we pray that as we declare this truth about you, Lord, that you'd be glorified in it. In Jesus' precious name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen.